Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is Good Humans Podcast with me, Cooper Chapman, chatting to the world's best about the inspiring stories that got them to where they are today. Hello, all of you good humans out there, and welcome back to guest episode number 62 of Good Humans Podcast. Very warm welcome to everyone who's new here. I'm so grateful that this podcast is growing week in, week out. It's so awesome to have you here if you're new. And everyone who's coming back, I can't begin to tell you how much this podcast has yeah, done for me. The conversations I've been having with these amazing guests have been life-changing for me, and to know that your coming on that journey with me is really, really cool. So if you listen to episodes here and there, make sure you hit follow, hit subscribe and do me a massive favor. There's thousands of people that listen every single day now. I can see the statistics, but the likes, I mean, not likes, the five-star ratings on Spotify and over on Apple are sitting at around 150 to 200. So if you can do me a huge favor, press pause right now, go and hit five stars. I really appreciate it. And it helps us move up the charts, which allows me to get this podcast to more people, allows me access to better guests. And also I'm going to be upgrading all of my equipment soon. So hopefully I can find some sponsors um, moving forward and we can, yeah, really upgrade this show because the conversations are life-changing. I'm so grateful for every one of you who is tuning in week in, week out. So thank you so much to everyone. This week's guest is a very, very interesting one. Her name's Olivia Arizola, and she's Australia's leading sleep expert. She's also a speaker and an author. So after nine years of study, Olivia's qualifications include a Bachelor of Social Science in Psychology, Certificate of Sleep Psychology, Diploma of Health Science, Nutritional Medicine, and a Cert 3 and 4 in Fitness. And to date, Olivia's featured in Forbes, The Today Show, The Morning Show. She's partnered with global brands, including Sealy um, Posturepedic and Ikea. And she has her own column in the leading health publication in Australia, Body and Soul. And on top of all of that, she's just recently released her book, Bear, Lion and Wolf, now published in 11 countries. So she's the real deal. And this conversation was really cool because we went back to the start and talked about Olivia's upbringing. And then we also spoke about what high school was like for her. And the thing that was really eye-opening for me was her vulnerability and openness to talk about her eating disorder, the battle that she's been um, dealing with there. And it's it's a really good story to show that people who look like they have so much going for them can really struggle at times too. And Olivia's very open about this and I'm very grateful for yeah this part of the conversation. And then all of the information we got about sleep and I learned about sleep blew my mind. And it's already since recording this conversation had a massive effect on my sleep. So hopefully from the next hour of listening, you're going to get some really good input into ways to improve your sleep, improve your sleep habits. And yeah, just get some really easy to digest tips to 
yeah, live a better life through good sleep. So welcome to the podcast, Olivia Arizolo. How you going, Olivia? Thanks so much, Cooper. I'm going pretty well. How are you today? How did you sleep last night? How did I sleep last night? I slept very well last night, actually. I had, um, I've had a massive week and I gave myself a very restful Sunday and woke up feeling refreshed this morning, which was nice to get back into a bit of routine. I've been out of state um, working on the road in Melbourne for the last week. So to wake up in my own bed and get into a bit more routine feels good. How'd you sleep last night? It's 5am right now, just so everyone knows you're in um, Italy. So yeah, do you want to tell us where you are and what you're doing right now? Um, I love that you slept very well. That is awesome. I slept particularly well last night as well. Had a relatively early night, knowing that I had a you know, 4.30 wake up time. Um, <laughs> what I'm doing in Italy. So I am currently in the south of Italy in a place called Trapea in Calabria, which is a very, very um Italian holiday destination almost it reminds me of something similar to like the south coast of Sydney you know like all of the people from the city go to this like tiny little tourist town um and it is just the most beautiful place there's like no international shops it's all just local shops or local restaurants it's like 98% Italian here like Every, because I look Italian, everyone just speaks to me in Italian and I'm just like, whoa, un poco, parla un poco italiana, which means I only speak a little bit of Italian. Uh, it's How hard is it traveling sometimes when you just like get thrown another language in your face yeah. and you're like, oh, I don't speak the language. <laughs> well, it's, um, it's sort of entertains me though, because I'm trying to learn Italian. So I actually really enjoy the fact that you know it's like a it's like I'm a duck just you know being thrown into a big puddle like I'm having to swim you know (laughs) um but at the same time I'm really valuing you know my uh I've done a few podcasts while I've been here because I've been here for like a week and a half and I'm really valuing having like an actual proper conversation in English like it's really amazing Because outside of that, like literally the extent of my conversation when I'm out and about is like, hi, I'm visiting here. Uh, It's really nice here. Do you have a cup of tea? (laughs) Uh, It's tough. eh? I had a friend, um, a good friend of mine come and stay for a month and she's Brazilian. She speaks fluent English. She lived in New York for 10 years, but she yeah is like oh it's so nice when I run into someone Brazilian just getting to speak my native language. It's like so refreshing. Exactly. And um, why I'm here. So I'm actually here doing some official business. Um, Yeah. So I'm in the process of getting my Italian citizenship, which is very exciting. And um, for anyone who knows the south of Italy, it's it's a bit backwards, you know, bureaucracy wise, government wise. Right. So my family is initially from Calabria, this region. And I need to get my granddad's birth certificate, you know, standard procedure for um, getting your citizenship. But the the town hall, they don't respond to emails from my lawyer. They they don't answer the phone from my lawyer from literally like weeks on end. And I'm like, we need to get these documents, you know. And I'm like, what can I do to get these documents? Because my lawyer just keeps on saying to me, like, they're just not answering their phone. They just won't respond to email. 
well, what if I go there in person? And they're like, yeah, that'd probably be good. <laughs> so literally, like, I've gone to this town hall and like, oh, I need this document and this document. My lawyer says, oh, they should, you know, it's, it's a pretty simple thing. They probably should give it to you on the day. Worst case scenario, they told you to come back tomorrow. So I went there on Thursday and they said, great, come back in a week. <laughs> uh, it is so typical, typical, like Southern Italian, just like, oh yeah, you know, just come back in a week. Like you've got, you know, nothing else to do. So, um, so that's technically why, technically why I'm here, but um, it is not a problem at all because it, because it is just the most beautiful, beautiful, quaint, quiet, peaceful, family-oriented, picturesque, nature-filled, most amazing beaches. Like, it's just a gorgeous place to be. And I was just in Mykonos for 24 days, which Oof. sounds incredible, but 24 days in Mykonos, especially for me, like I'm not a raging party animal. Like there's a reason you don't hear people spend 24 days in Mykonos. Because <laughs> last week I was like, stop partying. I just want to sleep. Yeah, I need <laughs> sleep. I know better than anyone. I need sleep. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so it's been really, really beautiful to be here and just ground and, um, and have some beach time and you know it's very it's not touristic at all like the Amalfi mm. or anything so um so yeah that's what that's what I'm doing here in, oh, in beautiful it sounds like you're in a nice little part of your life right now I'm a little bit jealous but as I spoke to you before on air I think I'm going to be getting over to Europe uh, in September which is very exciting but today we're here to learn about your story a bit more because I'm fascinated to talk to you about sleep you are Australia's number one sleep expert but first, I want to get to know the story about you and why sleep and a bit more as to who you are, because I think it sets up your expertise in sleep quite well. So let's um, rewind back to the beginning. Where'd you grow up? Where were you born? And yeah, how was family life like, let's say, before high school, from what you can remember? Sure, I'd be more than happy to share. Um, I grew up in a very small country town called Sale in a place, in a region called Gippsland, about two and a half hours out of Melbourne. Um, my childhood was filled with hanging out with my dog because I didn't have very good social skills. And so I didn't really have many friends. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's okay. <laughs> Yeah, um, to be honest, I didn't really have a fun childhood. I got bullied really badly and hence why I hung out with my dog more. Um, and I, you know, I wasn't really close to my uh, my mom and my dad, who was my best friend. He lived in the city and would have come home on the weekend, but it was hard because I missed him and I wanted to hang out with him. So I found a lot of solace just like hanging out with my dog in nature and um, playing a lot of sport. Um, but yeah, like, sort of my you know I think a lot of people remember their you know their childhood days is oh my god that was so fun and all of that but like to to be honest I was, I remember being like very kind of depressed as a child <laughs> it's interesting I mean it's it's awesome to see how you are now and happy and bubbly you are but the trauma that so many children do bring through their childhood is so unspoken I feel like sometimes so for you to be honest and share like that I think people will be able to relate to that 
moving into high school, what was high school like for you as an experience um, as a whole? Like what sort of sports were you doing? Were you very academic or was high school just sort of carried on not a very good time for you? Yeah, the bullying just really continued as did, you know, not being close with my mom and, you know, having difficulties with my dad and, or, you know, missing my dad and whatnot. Mm. So, yeah, it was just really like a continuation and like, I think my mental health really got like quite bad because, um, you know, I, I was starting to see a counselor and like, just nothing was working. So at the age of 14, I tried to take my own life, which sort of told me like things were pretty bad. Mm. Um, it was just, I'd been suffering for so long and I didn't really see a way to, you know, ever improving. And I just thought that, you know what, I'm, I'm not up for this anymore. So yeah, it was pretty hard, but um outside my mental health like I was quite academic just I think it gave me something to focus on and sporty like again just give me something to focus on and whatnot but you know there was a lot of I just remember being quite sad like all the time um yeah I had some friends but I didn't really seem to have like be able to have lasting friendships so I just remember being really quite sad and lonely and always feeling like an outcast hmm. um, sounds yeah, like, a, like- a, yeah such a tough time through high school and it's it's powerful you just being that honest with it because I think so often people would just be like oh yeah school was okay but for you to be able to articulate and speak of it honestly like that I think is pretty special what was your during school what were your kind of goals or what was your vision for what life was going to look like after school as a teenager were you like this is my chance to break free of this um lifestyle moving to the city or what was your mindset towards the end of high school from what you can remember Mm. so after I tried to take my life then I went through started going through like more intensive therapy and that was when I guess things started to shift over to a to a a slight degree so that was 14 the year after we decided to move to Melbourne so we could all be a family and then you know, like I was getting bullied really badly. So it was like, I wanted to change schools and, you know, my parents could see how like much I was suffering, obviously. So when I, when I was 15, we moved to Melbourne um, and that was, that was good and bad. So I started going to a school, which was, um, you know, my old school, McKinnon High. And that was so, so nurturing and so loving. And I had a great group of friends and, by that time I was quite academic and so that was that's a really um really really high quality you know academic school and so I was put in an environment where I was academically really nurtured and I could really thrive which was great um but I still I guess wasn't making great progress mental health wise like it was okay at the start with um you know, making new friends, that was really helpful. But I think I still had a lot of the unresolved trauma happening. Um, And by that time, I had developed bulimia. And so when I was in, just before I left my uh, small town, um, one of my best girlfriends, she had bulimia. And then so I think that I was just like, kind of almost wanted to have bulimia so then at least I could have something to like with her to bond with you know Mm. and so yeah so when I moved to Melbourne the you know my that eating disorder was still existing and 
you know, the depression was still there. And so I was seeing a therapist, seeing a counselor, but I was, I wasn't getting better. Things were getting worse. And so like, it was good at school, but then, you know, mental health wise, I was still really depressed, you know, still battling an eating disorder um, and things could have kind of continued on that trajectory for about a year. And then my, and this is when I was 16 and then my parents separated and um, that was really hard. And then, so I went from being like bulimic and having depression. And then I was, and then I turned anorexic. I think I was just like, oh my God, this is just way too much. And I just like, couldn't mm. like eat food, you know? And so, um, so then I lost like a, like a heap of weight in the, in the course of like eight months. It was like 25% of my body weight. Like it was, wow. yeah, it was was huge and so then I was entering year 12 um but like I was too sick to continue and I knew that um well actually it's it's interesting because I thought I was doing okay like because I think you see like when you're an anorexic you often don't see your body as it is it's just like oh you know I'm fine you know I you know because like I could you know seemingly function okay yeah I can still kind of function Mm. yeah like you know, I'm doing all right. And, you know, I'm not like, it's like in my head, I was like, well, I'm not that thin, you know, like I'm sure I'm really small, but like I've seen the pictures on the internet of the girls who are, you know, like anorexic and all you can see is like bones everywhere. Like I'm not that like that. Mm. And so I was seeing like a, um, I was seeing a therapist at the time and she was one day, she was just like, Olivia, like, you're really like, you've really lost a lot of weight. Like what, what do you weigh right now? And I'm just like, oh, you know, and I'm not going to say the number because yeah. Numbers are very, very, especially for like anorexics, it it's, can be very triggering. So I won't say it. So I, yeah. I told her and she was just like, right, I think you should go to hospital like now. And I was like, why? I'm fine. And she's like, because your heart is probably about to like stop beating at any moment. Like this is like dangerously unwell. You are dangerously underweight. Like, and I'm just like, I don't really know what you're talking about, but like, okay. Anyway, so I go to hospital stay there for six weeks as an inpatient Wow! <laughs> because they were like, yeah, you, you really, and this is in year, high, year 12 at high school last year. Yeah. So this was no, this was in year 12. Yeah. 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 Um, and so I was there for six weeks and so they were just like, okay, well, um, I don't think you can continue your high school this year because, you know, it's such a big year and you've already missed, you know, so much school and, all of this so then I was sort of left of just having this like like okay like I don't know what I'm going to do for the next you know like I think it was April by that time um but then you know I so I got out of hospital but then I was like you know the interesting thing is with um so I was in like uh, the public system you know public eating disorders unit and so I got weight I got weight restored but the way that the public health system works is that they prioritize weight restoration as number one and mental health wise they do their best but it's not sorry my alarm clock's going on um so in the public health system they assist with weight restoration number one and psychiatry is like a, a secondary to that and this is just because like, I understand why, why they do it. Like, 
If they don't restore your weight as soon as possible, there's another girl or another guy on the outside that's going to die because there's not enough beds in the public health system. Uh-huh. For, for so it's so it's about put the, for them it's putting the band-aid on to get somebody out the door so right. they, which you can fully understand but i think we do this in a lot of different industries when it comes to health is slap a band-aid on and get someone out the door and i'm sure we'll talk about this later when it comes to sleep normally people come in to and to tell a gp i'm not sleeping well and they give them a pill but it's like well let's get to the why and yeah it's like looking at anorexia it's something i'm not very well versed on but it's really or like not awesome, but it's great to have your insights into it. And I actually spoke to Hugh Van Kylenberg. I'm not sure if you know who Hugh is from the Resilience Project. And a big part of his story is his sister had anorexia and him being unaware of it. And the first step kind of being education around the why, rather than just being like, eat some food or make you feel better. It seems to somebody who doesn't have a mental illness like anorexia, the fix is quite simple. But for somebody like yourself, the mental side of it, I can imagine is more often than not more important than the eating side of it yeah definitely 100 percent um you know like it's not normal for somebody to just like deny themselves hunger like there's got to be a pretty big trauma going on when you when you deny your your you know capacity to thrive and live like eating is like a fundamental like function necessity yeah right and so if you're and it's it's unlike sleep 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 you do in an unconscious way like you don't choose to like to sleep or not sleep so if you're consciously choosing not to eat like there's got to be like a big trauma going on there Mm. Um, but yeah so being in the public health system I completely understand because there's also so there's one element that's um a if you don't fix this girl as soon as you can somebody else is going to die which actually does happen Mm. which is one thing but b there's also a lot around nutritional psychiatry in that when you weight restore and when you restore the nutrients that your body needs often mental health it does actually simply just improve as a result of having the right nutrients Mm. and i think that it's a combination of those things as well as not having the resources and you know capacities to actually go on an intensive therapy process while you're doing weight weight restoration and there's a principle that well if we fix the weight then naturally the mood will come back and naturally like they'll start to think more clearly they'll start to um you know more energy to 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 fight against you know the voices in their head and whatnot so there is there is an argument for doing weight restoration first and and then mental health but um you know there's the rates of recovery from being in that system are actually quite low compared to um, other systems overseas where it's more comprehensive. So, you know, yeah, but the thing is, it's the, it's the public health system. And, um, you know, I'm grateful that, you know, my, my parents didn't have, you know, hundred thousand dollars to send me, you know, to like Sweden where they have their, you know, the most efficient, efficient and effective eating, eating recorder, eating disorder recovery program. You know, we didn't have those funds available. You know, I'm grateful that 
we could literally go in the public health system and, you know, I got treated, you know, as part of, you know, our taxes and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. There's, you know, there's some countries like I think America, like if you're, if you've got an eating disorder, like you're screwed. Yeah. Like, your parents would have money. Like what mm. there's, there's no, there's no help. There's no support. Yeah. It's um, tough. Was there a turning point for you? Was there a moment where either some trauma unlocked or was there a turning point that you can identify that did make a bit of a difference that maybe someone listening might take something from? Yeah, definitely. There was this night that I was 17 years old and I was in hospital. This is when I was an inpatient and because I was anorexic and um, I wanted to go to my friend's 18th birthday party, but my doctors wouldn't let me out because they're like, well, you're too unwell. And I just sort of had this like, and I think I'd been in there for maybe a month by that time. And I just sort of had this moment. I was just like, is this going to be my life? Like, am I going to miss out on birthday parties and celebrations and like events and memories because I can't eat? Like, I was like, oh my God, that sounds horrendous. Like, I don't want that life at all. Like, I want to be able to, you know, attend my friends' experiences and be part of life and be part of everything, you know, like that's what we're here for. And mm. it was it was a really, really like significant turning point. And so if after that, I literally was just like, you know what? Like, I'm just going to throw my, throw everything I have at recovery because, I don't, I don't want to be missing out anymore. I'm sick of missing out. I've been missing out for too long and I'm not prepared to do it anymore. So, wow. um, yeah, it was, it was really cool because the mind is super powerful. And after that, like, you know, my weight, it's like, I, my weight actually came on quite quickly and I got better really, really quite fast because mm. I just stopped getting support. I stopped resisting the advice and I was just like, yeah. all right, cool all in like let's go I love that it sounds like there's like the perfect moment of like I talk about this quite a lot and I'm sure you would have as well going from like kind of the victim mentality to the hero mentality in your own mind it like literally is just changing a thought pattern can change your life and it's like that's literally exactly I'm sure you'll agree with that you went from like the victim to wait I want to be the hero of my story I want to get better I want to live life and yeah it's really cool that you had that moment and that you can identify that moment I've got so much I want to cover, so I don't want to discount the story where you got to, but I just really want to talk to you a lot about sleep. But let's talk about um, from there, your 20s, where you're like, all right, what, what was career path? Where were you living in your early 20s? And yeah, what was your mindset moving into your 20s, what you wanted to do for work, what you were studying, because you studied a lot. Do you want to tell us what you studied? <laughs> yeah, sure. So it actually laces back to that moment really, um, really well, because what happened is, after that moment, after getting better, I knew that, you know, going very quickly from that very, very dark, painful space to this sense where I started to engage with life again. I started to, you know, go to my friend's birthday parties and you know, go to dinners and, you know, that the following year I went back to school and I was so engaged in life that I knew that it was my job on this planet to help other people move from their dark into their light. Mm. And that was what, what I was here to do. So I was like, great. So I'm going to study. I'm going to study how to help people be their best in their mind and their body. And so I wanted to study 
nutrition, sleep, fitness, and psychology. I was like, I want to study everything because mm -hmm. I want to help with everything. <laughs> and so um, after school, I studied a Bachelor of Social Science Psychology, a Certificate of Sleep Psychology, a Diploma of Health Science Nutritional Medicine, and a Certificate 3 and 4 in Fitness. Um, so throughout, that was like nine years of study, but throughout that time, I would always just have this intention of helping people feel their best inside and out, but I didn't know um, how or what. Um, throughout that time, you asked where I lived. So up until I was 21, I was in Melbourne, but then I moved to Sydney because I could do my courses online and I was modeling at the time and um, the industry was bigger in Sydney and my, I had some family in Sydney. So I was just like, oh, I'm moving to Sydney. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, my twenties were good. Like I, you know, I was feeling quite driven and focused and invigorated and I was having a pretty good time. Um, you know, uh, so between, I reckon between like, you know, my, my year of high school, my final year of high school, which was about 18 until about like 23, 23, I was, I was having a pretty good time. I was so just, you know, juggling, studying and then modeling for money and living in, um, I was going to say Bondi, but probably living in Bondi area. -ish. Trust me, after living in Melbourne, there's one place, the, the first place anyone from Melbourne goes Bondi. in Sydney, Bondi, of course, because the only <laughs> place to go. Um, so, yeah, so I was living in Bondi. I was, you know, oh, yeah. fresh and having a good time um, studying and, yeah, working and it was good. And um, I think things started to get like work-wise I was always trying to I tried I was trying to find my feet like in the in the in the wellness space um trying to do like different areas of coaching and I did some PT but I didn't really like find my like sleep work until I was 28 in 2018 um but between kind of like I remember like I, I feel like I was kind of thriving at the start of getting to Sydney, like mental health wise, but then sort of things got a bit difficult probably around the age of like 23, 24, where I just felt like I didn't know how to do what I wanted to do. And I felt quite stuck mm -hmm. and like I wanted to help people so much, but I didn't know how they wanted me to help. And my modeling wasn't going so well. I was feeling quite like, it was going well but I was just feeling like I had this intention to help people feel their best but what I was doing for my work every day was my modeling and I was like these two are not related yeah. and so I would I'd go to my shoots and I'd be like how am I helping the world right now so I felt quite unaligned which really like I'm very much in I'm very much in touch with my intuition and that was quite hard for me to just sit in that space of just being you know unaligned in mm. a sense um I feel a lot so of similarities that to that just real quick I just feel a lot of similarities like with my like surfing random to to align surfing and modeling together but seems like quite a selfish endeavor when you're like doing something like modeling like surfing nothing against these things but for me I felt very similar like I want to give like my purpose is to help people in life and it's not for everybody and I respect that but for me that's where I get my energy that's where I build my sort of self-worth and power from now is by sharing what I've learned and helping people and it sounds like you had that kind of same feeling so how did you fall in sleep and how did sleep um 
yeah, become the niche that you're killing it at now. Oh, thank you. Um, so I was doing coaching for like various areas, like I doing some stress and weight loss and uh, mindset and, you know, trying to integrate all of my coaching, all of my mental coaching into PT. And then I had some sleep clients and this was in 2018. And then they got really good results and and started talking to other people about it. And every second person was like, help me with my sleep, help me with my sleep. And I was just like, wow, like I've been in this, in the wellness game for like, you know, probably like eight years now. And like, nobody's really been asking me for help. And then all of a sudden everyone's asking me for help. And then I started to think about it. I was just like, who's like a well-known like sleep guru that I could go to, you know, like, because I've always been into like preventative medicine mm. rather than you know, like doctor, like, you know, Western yeah. medicine. I was like, who's like a sleep person in that who like does prevention? Mm. And I was just like, there's no one. Like, I really, I don't, I don't know anyone. Andrew and Huberman, like, the only one that I could think of. Yeah. But like, that's in the US. And that's a neuroscience, like, like kind of angle of it all too. Yeah. And it's, it's very different, but I mean, like, who's like a holistic Mm. practitioner that uses all of these like you know ancient methods and like holistic approach like a mindset and like nutrition and fitness like who does that for sleep mm. it's like no one i was like oh i think i'm gonna be that person light bulb <laughs> the sleep entrepreneur that's what i've got written down in my notes i was like we're gonna talk about all the things you're doing in sleep but what a great moment that goes, ah, oh, oh. finding that thing that can help so many because right. sleep is like, as an athlete, I understand the benefits of it. And I've done enough sports science and understand physiology enough to know how important sleep is. And I'm sure everybody has a pretty good understanding on how they feel and they have a good night's sleep compared to when they don't have a good night's sleep. But there's so many great things that we can do to improve our sleep. And yeah, we're going to talk about them very shortly. So yeah, what was that next stage? Like when you're like, all right, sleep. So it was, it's interesting, you know, that light bulb moment. So it didn't, I didn't really have that light bulb moment until, um, until probably like six months later. So I was doing my sleep work and then, you know, I'm, I'm pushing into that space, you know, I'm, I'm when, sorry, when you say your sleep work, is you starting to book clients and they tell you what's going on with their sleep and you're giving them some recommendations. What, when you say your sleep work, what does that entail? So I guess more so in the start, I was just putting out their content around sleep and try like put like supporting journalists with um because I was because I'd been so while I was while I was modeling and I was also in the wellness space and I'd started working you know overall like doing like articles so I had like quite a few contacts in like journalism and stuff and so when I specialized in sleep I literally just remember this the summer of 2018 I was writing like a thousand articles and like anyone who I knew, I was just like, here, here's an article on sleep. Here, can you publish it please? You know, so I started like work, um, you know, in that space and then started to do a lot of content like on social media and, you know, like Instagram videos and Instagram mm -hmm. live, stuff like this. And um, so, so that's what I mean. Like started to work in that space. Yeah, and, cool. Yeah, just started to like support people, um, you know, a few clients here and there. Um, and then I remember like one day I was just like in my inbox and like 
I saw this email from Sealy Posturepedic about being like a media spokesperson for them. I was like, oh my God, Sealy, that's huge. Massive. And they were like, do you want to be our media spokesperson for our, you know, our Australia-wide campaign? I was like, yes, that would be so good. <laughs> Anyways, we ended up doing that campaign. So that was huge because like, I'm like, I know how big Sealy is. And then a few months later, um, Ikea did the exact same thing. They're like, hey, do you want to be our media spokesperson? I was like, oh, my God, Ikea. Jesus, that's even bigger. So I feel like these after those two moments the that I was, that was a light bulb moment. I was just like, there's no, if there's anything that tells you that you're, you're doing what you're meant to be doing, it's like when your two biggest brands in the globe mm approach you just randomly pop into your inbox she's like hey do you want to be our media rep do you want to be our mm-hmm. media spokesperson you're you're good for it i'm just like okay cool so I, this is what i'm gonna do i love um, that yeah and so that was that was really cool and i think after i had those two brands it was um you know very apparent to me that where the universe wanted me to play mm-hmm. and the universe wanted me to do and i'm i'm quite spiritual in that way like the universe sends you signals about what it wants you to do and not do. And that, that was two very loud signals from the universe telling you what I should do and what I should specialize in. So um, after that, I really didn't look back and I just, I guess, continue to specialize my work and, you know, continue to learn and evolve and grow and, um, you know, focused on more, more, more private clients and more media work and, um that sort of continued throughout 2019 2020 and then 2020 I got approached to write my book um Bear Lion Wolf which was like a real thrill as well because you know I'd seen all of my friends in the wellness industry it was like they all they all have books like mm-hmm. and so when you are like a when you're like a proper expert like you've got a book like it's not this it's not that it's not the end of the 10 years of studies that you've done no no it's the fact that you've got a book uh, the author status I, i've literally it's so funny you say that when we get off this call i've got um i've been like thinking like i'd love to write like just a book that's kind of half between my journey half between the stuff i talk about in my workshops and around mental health in a bit different of an approach and i was like i'd love to write a book and i was like i wouldn't even know where to start and i literally had a publishing agency hit me up on instagram going like hey would you ever be right interested in writing a book around like your stuff with the good human factory and i was like well, yes, I would actually. So I've got a meeting. I've got a meeting with a publisher this afternoon, just to like first first meeting, just to like tell them some ideas I have. But yeah, it's exciting. But um, I mean, I want to talk to you about the book process, but I want to talk to you more about sleep. So let's go to the sleep stuff because I I'm so grateful for how much you've shared your story because I think it really sets up so much how important taking care of yourself is for the people listening. And you've got some incredible. Um, things I'm sure you can share with the listeners around sleep. And it's something that every single person on this planet does, yet a lot of us probably aren't doing it very effectively. And I'm sure you have some incredible tips. So um, maybe the first question is, what's the biggest roadblock that people, or what's what's your most commonly asked questions from a client when it comes to sleep? Mm, The biggest challenge that I find is that I can't stay asleep. Everyone's like, I wake up multiple times throughout the night. More so than I can't fall asleep. Correct. Yeah, yeah. So okay. when I when I started sleep work, I thought it was like one for one. But mm. I do like 
you know, I do these, like I do surveys of my, I've got like an email database and for anyone who's listening, get on it by yeah. getting site and filling out your prototype quiz it's your, find your sleep type and then i send you really helpful emails all the time not all the time but like twice a week maximum so please it's a great list yeah. so anyway so I, I survey my email list um you know occasionally and and i survey you know on on instagram polls and whatnot and it's probably overall the split would be like 60 percent of people have problems staying asleep maybe 30% of people have problems falling asleep and then like 10% is like miscellaneous. Okay. That's super fascinating. Cause I've got, I've got yeah. questions about a whole bunch of things. Um, let's go back to what you just talked about. The chronotypes quiz. It's something I did yesterday and it relates very well to your book. Um, yeah. Let's talk is, is chronotypes. Is that the right word? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. Do you want to share with us why you start with that with people? Because I think that's a perfect starting point before we go into how different things affect our sleep. Mm-hmm. I'd love to. So why start with chronotypes? Um, I think we all, so first, what is a chronotype? Because yes. quite new to, you know, the vocabulary of the mainstream. So, um, um, so Chronotypes are indicative of our circadian rhythm. So it essentially just means, are you a morning person or an evening person or something in between? So somebody who's a morning person, really this means that they have an early circadian preference. And this means they like to get up early and like to fall asleep early. You you, We all have that friend that like, it's like 10 o'clock and they're at home, you know, like having, doing their, you know, beauty routine, their nighttime routine on a Friday night. And they definitely do not want to stay out late at all. <laughs> and they're, they're also the ones that are like, 6 a.m. for a walk in the morning, I'll be there. Yeah. You know, um, and that, for, that is the lion chronotype. They're the early chronotype. Um, then you've got those at the other end of the spectrum who are the wolves. Now, they're the late chronotypes. And they're the ones that, they're the ones that love to stay up late. So like 12, 1 o'clock is a great bedtime for them. And love to get up around eight or even maybe nine o'clock in the morning. And then you've got those who fall in the middle who are called bears. That was me. Bears. <laughs> yes, you're a bear. So most of the population is a bear. So this surprised me. Um, they like to go to bed around 11 or so and like to wake up around seven or so. Now, there is much more to chronotypes, but I think for the purpose of this podcast, it's just really good to highlight those significant differences and those categories because a lot of people will be able to identify which they are and why it's important to know is because there are certain sleep strategies and certain sleep patterns that are more suitable for one sleep type than the other so the more you understand your sleep type the more you can take personalized advice and we can um, move throughout these throughout our life, yeah, because I'm just thinking to my life um, and, I, and I have done some cheat research and listened to some of your other podcasts, uh, but throughout our teen years, we generally stayed up a lot later, whereas I've definitely been the lion type and on, I mean, I've worked a trade job for a couple of years where I had to get up at 6am. So I feel like I've fluctuated between all three and I continue, I find it I do enjoy getting up early, but I feel like between six and seven is kind of my ideal time. I feel fully forgot where I was going with this chat, a question, but 
actually there it is so we can fluctuate between them just as a kind of precursor for as we go through this chat if people go oh where do i fit i move what what's yeah we all move between it yeah <laughs> yeah yeah definitely so in our teams we're predominantly wolves so that's why we like to stay up late and it's really interesting i think it's really it's really and i love sharing this that especially with parents who you know are always blaming like the phones you know for keeping teenagers up late actually teenagers have a biological predisposition to have a late circadian preference so it is easier for them to go to bed at like 12 o'clock than it is for an individual who's in like their 30s to go to bed at that time and equally it is easier for somebody in their 30s or even 20s to get up earlier than it is a teen who has a late circadian preference and is naturally more aligned to get up around eight or nine o'clock um yeah and this is there's like a range of factors but um a lot of it's actually just tied into puberty because they've done research and found that all mammals who go through puberty go from having an earlier preference, like they go from bears in their, in their childhood to being more of a wolf in their adolescence. Now, this is all mammals as a species. That's which so I think is- Yeah, that's fascinating. That's really yeah. fascinating. What, um, so I'm normally so good at not getting tired, but my mind's, I've got so many things that I want to ask you. I'm just trying to like work out the best way to ask them. What's a circadian rhythm for somebody who doesn't really understand? I mean, for me, I get it, but maybe explain what it is because you've said it a few times and I'm sure people don't know. <laughs> right. So it's any 24 hour clock, biological clock in our, in our body. Now we have many different functions of circadian rhythms, um, but the one that's most well-known is the circadian rhythm for the sleep-wake sleep uh, hormones and sleep-wake cycle. So it essentially just reflects that throughout a 24-hour period, there are certain hormones that um, help you feel sleepy that, and there are certain hormones that help you feel awake and they function on, on, on a cycle that at some points, particularly in the evening, those that those that help you be tired, for example, melatonin, that pattern that is high compared to those who are um, more governed towards awakening, such as cortisol, that's low. And then when we're awake, um, our cortisol levels are high, helping us be alert, and our melatonin levels are low, which helps us not be so fatigued. And that occurs throughout a 24-hour period. So in summary, it's just like the way that our body functions throughout a 24-hour period kind of recurs based on, yeah, how our body works, based on our body type and I guess what we put in our body, our exercise and everything. So let's get into that, how different things affect our, um, our sleep. First one I want to chat to you about is nutrition. You talked about melatonin. It's something that we do here of as a supplement how important is our nutrition when it comes to sleep? And a few things that I want to touch on. I had people writing questions about ashwagandha. My mum said to me, she drinks tea before bed every night. Is that a bad thing to do? Because I know there is um, small parts of caffeine in tea. So yeah, how important is our nutrition when it comes to our sleep? Nutrition is very important. It's not the most important, 
The most important thing is light. That is the our number one Zeitgeber, which is fancy word for factor controlling circadian rhythm. Um, and which is why there's such an I have such an emphasis on you know reducing blue light in the evening and exposing yourself to um, natural sunlight in the morning in the first hour. Let's so talk about light next. Let's go to nutrition first, and we'll come back and talk about light more. Perfect, perfect. I was about to say so. Um, light's number one, but nutrition is also really, really important. Um, looping back to your questions, so. Ashwagandha um, is an incredibly powerful adaptogen, which helps our body mediate the stress response. So this lowers, basically, if like, for anyone who's not familiar with ashwagandha or an adaptogen, um, and CBD is an adaptogen as well. So I think that's interesting. A lot of people will know of CBD. Um, I was going to ask about that. Yeah. So an adaptogen is something that mediates a stress response. And so, for example, if you usually get really stressed out and then you can't sleep, if you are supported by ashwagandha or a CBD or any other adaptogen, even when you become stressed out, it won't necessarily have such a significant impact on your sleep in that you can't sleep anymore. So if you go, if you usually go from like stress levels, usually go from zero, that's like baseline. And then all of a sudden you get stressed and you're like a 70, like a, you're a seven out of 10 on the stress level. And that means you can't sleep. If you're then supported by ashwagandha, you might then go to like a three out of 10. Okay. Interesting. Let's talk about melatonin because it's something that I guess is quite controversial maybe in your space. Now I do follow Andrew Huberman a little bit and he kind of like, I swear I heard him swearing against it. It's like our body creates it naturally anyway. What's your take on melatonin? It's something I have taken as a supplement for sleep rather than sleeping pills multiple times over the last few years. What's your take on melatonin? How does our body create it? Because I know getting light in the morning in our eyes is important for melatonin um, production. Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. Um, That was a very loaded question. Sorry. Is all right. I guess the question is, how does melatonin, um, how is it created in our body naturally? And when is it, when would you recommend it as a supplement or do you recommend it ever as a supplement? Okay, so how the body produces melatonin is through exposure to darkness. Um, Yeah, which is why it's really important for us to be in as much darkness as possible throughout the night because this is, the signal that the body has to produce melatonin um, and for before bed as well, which enables us to fall asleep with ease. Um, hence why, you know, I personally recommend avoiding, you know, phones for at least an hour and then blocking out blue light using blue light glasses for at least two hours for bed. Um, this helps tell our body, hey, it's darkness now. It's time to produce melatonin. Therefore, it's time to go to sleep. Um, do I recommend it as a supplement only for specific individuals, those who, and not as a general supplement because yeah, as Andrew said, as Andrew has indicated, um, the body does produce it naturally. And so if you take it 
ongoing, it can thwart that process of natural production, and that's not what we want. However, the, the times that it has been beneficial in clinical research has been to recover from jet lag because okay. it, yeah, it helps our body realign with that dark light pattern. Uh -huh. um, yeah, so that's when it's been really helpful. Other times it's been helpful has been to, um, to actually treat children with ADHD. Um, yeah, because so as anyone with insomnia or sleeping problems would know, there is great correlation and a great overlap between your sleeping patterns and your ability to focus and your mood. And one of, yeah, it's just an interesting therapeutic application that they've found that it can be really effective for treating children with ADHD because they usually have sleeping problems as well. And they usually have an altered melatonin profile. And I feel like that's also interesting to raise because I also know that a lot of people with, um, you know, with sleeping problems, most of them say that they have trouble focusing as well. Hmm. That's, that's fascinating that, that all that information. Yeah, melatonin is a funny one, just being like an over-the-counter thing that we can purchase. It's nice kind of coming from you to let people know that if you're struggling to sleep, don't just go straight for that. Try and solve some other issues first. And let's talk about light because I can see you really want to tell us more about light and I know how important it is for sleep. Um, yeah, let's talk about light and how much that affects our sleep. Um, yeah, so... I feel like light is like, yeah, the number one factor to control the circadian rhythm and it's the number one factor to, con to control. And so you can do everything else, right? You can get your diet right, take supplements, you know, be, ex um, be you know, exercising well, all of these things. But if you don't get light right, all of it, it doesn't, it will essentially undercut all of the other work you're doing. It's mm. interesting because I've had clients in the past, they're like, I just don't get it. I'm my diet's good. I don't have I don't have caffeine. I, you know, I um I'm I'm eating at my stress levels, like, you know, I'm doing everything right. I'm like, so what are you doing in the hour before bed? They're like, well, you know, I'm just like watching TV to switch off for a while and then I go to bed and then you know, I can't sleep. I wake up all night. Yeah. How about that? Interesting. <laughs> so like I know from, you know, from both a research perspective and also a personal perspective from those, you know, treating those with sleeping problems, you know, light is number one to control. So get light right and you're like, you're like at least 50% of the way there. But mm. don't get light right and then you're like 50% of the way behind. So what, how do we get light right? What's your preferences? As well, before we get into, I'm guessing what, what we will talk quite a lot about is turning screens off and blue light at night. What about getting light into your eyes in the morning? It's something that I've heard about recently. How much is there to that? You need some light in your eyes to wake up for the morning. I have a lot of light in my eyes. There's a lot going uh, on. Too much. Um, yeah. Um, Getting and, light and, nat and natural light. What's the difference between sunlight and other light? So, yeah, this one's interesting because 
Um, even I, even when I started, you know, doing more light, more research into light, I was like, I was like, which is which is more beneficial? I mean, you know, the bright, bright light, you know, but actually, what is the most beneficial is sunlight because of the because of the actual light um, coming directly from the sun. That the the specific spectrum has the greatest correlation with serotonin production and it is the most balanced for our nervous system to produce serotonin, our happiness hormone, and the right amount. So add the right amount of serotonin and the right amount of cortisol, the stress hormone as a direct of natural sunlight. So this is why it is preferential to um, artificial light because as a result of seeing artificial light, yes, we still do produce these awakening hormones. So you feel awake, but it is not in the same, um, apparently it's not in the same quantities that is ideal for our cortisol profile and our serotonin profile. Okay. So, so preference, if you can get outside and get sunlight in your eyes when you wake up, yes. best thing we can do. Correct, particularly in the first hour, because that is when our circadian rhythm is the most sensitive to light. Now, awesome. what, yeah, what that is going to do is as well, is going to help your body. So because you, as soon as you see sunlight, that's going to help your body produce serotonin and cortisol awakening hormones. It's also going to suppress melatonin sleepiness hormone. So you go outside, you're more alert, less tired which is nice because a lot of people struggle with morning tiredness. I love that. So that's a great first tip. So let's talk about light. I just feel like that's such a good one because once I learned that, I consciously tried to get outside earlier just for that reason because I know now it can improve my sleep at night if I'm getting out in the sunlight earlier in the morning. I think that's a very easy one that people can take away. Um, yeah. And now let's talk about afternoon light from screens, yeah. blue light, how important sorry i'm gonna hit a lot of the flag glasses can the be not let everyone get over here. can you hear that real loud what was it there's a helicopter i'm meant to have um, right. a cleaner at my house right now so i came and sat outside but helicopter's gone so yeah let's talk about light in the afternoon and when we should wear blue lights there's something i've had before but i don't use um and i feel like in the next five minutes i'm going to be told that i should be using them so yeah let us know about light in the afternoon and what how it affects our sleep at night so light in the afternoon um or even into night yeah i think yeah light in the afternoon is of it's not of great importance if it's helpful to get if you're feeling really tired use light to your advantage so like get outside in sunlight and you'll naturally feel more alert uh -huh. um, that can be really helpful but of greater importance is to block out blue light before bed so Looping this back to chronotypes. So lions, they need to block out blue light two hours before bed. That bears need to block it out two and a half hours before bed. And light and wolves need to block it out three hours before bed. Um, Which must go so against the wolves because so often wolves are awake until 1am because they're the hustlers on their computer until late. I've got a lot of friends who get in that workflow from like 10 to 1, but looking at a computer. Correct, which is why I'd recommend having blue light blocking glasses 
So there's these 100% blue light blocking glasses. I've got recommendations I'll share with you guys in your and your in the show notes. Um, and this means that you can still be on a on a screen without your blue sorry without your melatonin production being compromised and still an hour before bed at least to disconnect from all screens because it's not just the blue light but there's also a lot of um neurocircuitry which gets um amplified such as dopamine so like a pleasure-seeking hormone which makes us feel good and makes us feel alert and energized as well that um is produced when we're looking at a screen because we have such an association that screens equal fun and goodness mm. and seeing catching up with their friends and you know like we have a really positive association typically with phones and this can lead to addiction and this can lead to um in, this can creep creep in on our sleep time mm. as anyone who's binge watching a TV show towards the end of the night knows just one more, just one more. No, it's never just one more. Um, uh, not good. So, yeah. So this is why yeah, one hour for bed, cut out all screens, regardless of your chronotype, but at least two hours for bed, cut out blue lights. Um, and also note that it's not just coming from your devices. It also comes from, you know, your ceiling lights as well. And so I think that's also really important to know because some people would say, oh, yeah, but I don't have any lights. I don't have any screens. You know, I'm just like reading a book or something. Mm. Like, yeah, you still got some blue light happening there. So, yeah. so you recommend like, I mean, I've got a salt lamp in my room. I kind of flick that on from eight o'clock at night and my room's just red and kind of moody. It's quite hard to read when it's like that. But um, yeah, there's definitely some places I can improve and blue light glass is definitely something I'm going to get. Like you said, we'll leave your um recommendations in the show notes i'm going to pick up a pair myself because i do look at a screen quite often at night and even if it's just watching a movie or tv yeah you should just sort of chuck blue lights on from after seven eight o'clock based on what i've kind of heard you speak about there's so many more things i want to talk about one other thing i want to talk to you about um sleep how important is exercise and how much does exercise affect our sleep it sort of falls into the same area as nutrition it's important it's not as important as light, but it's still definitely very important. Uh-huh. Um, the, the best thing we can do that t- with exercise is use it as a tool to boost energy compared to other stimulants like caffeine. Yeah. Um, so if we get exercise in the morning, we produce more serotonin, that happiness hormone, and we produce, um, so it, further lowers our melatonin um so so it helps us wake up now this is this is good because if we're waking up naturally and not so reliant on caffeine then we're less likely to go on that caffeine roller coaster where you know we wake up and then suddenly we're charging and then you know a few hours later we're fading and then a few hours later we're charging again and all of that, that just, that just drains our energy levels. It drains our adrenals, makes us feel mm. even more exhausted. And so it's definitely not what you want to do. Whereas if you wake up with um, gentle exercise and for the record, the most, um, the, the exercise that is the most positively correlated with 
sleep of all exercise forms is yoga. Yes, so I love yoga. Right? So if you're only going to do one exercise, then do yoga, but definitely find what works for you because although that's the most positive, then but there's also been a lot of research around the benefits of walking and running and cardio and weights and you know it's good for your overall health we all know exercise and that's just gonna I guess tire us out so we can sleep better as well yeah yeah so um definitely yeah using it for the morning to support your morning energy but then also using it in the afternoon to support your afternoon energy as well you know getting outside for like a 20 minute walk especially if in in the sunshine that can be incredibly powerful for your energy levels um there was a there was a study that also found that um 15 minutes of gentle stair climbing um boosted energy levels more than an espresso shot wow. so yeah that's good to know what 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 do you recommend around caffeine intakes i'm sure there's plenty of caffeine drinkers who will listen to this almost all of us um what's your recommended intake if we want to because i'm sure there's some people that drink four or five coffees and then wonder why they can't sleep well at night What's your like? I mean, I'm sure zero is probably your recommended intake for coffee, but what's like a limit that you feel like or a boundary that people should set with caffeine if they want to sleep well? Okay, my boundary, and not, and I say this because um, I understand mental health is part of sleep health, and caffeine is part of mental health for a lot of people. <laughs> mm, yeah, but like, like I'm an I'm an avid tea drinker, and although I drink decaf tea because I'm very, very sensitive to caffeine. If you take away my decaf tea, I'm like, I feel like you have like encroached mm. on my space. Like, like, please just give me my cup of tea. But yeah. So when it comes to coffee, I get it. Um, my blanket rule is have no more than one in the morning, definitely no later than 12 o'clock. Um, if you want some sort of caffeine in the afternoon, um, ideally use other methods for boosting energy levels, such as exercise, light, taking a nap. If you are absolutely dying to have some sort of caffeine in the afternoon, then at least please have green tea because green tea has a compound called L-theanine, which helps our body relax as well and doesn't have as much caffeine. So you'll still get a little bit of caffeine, but you won't get as great of a hit as you would with a coffee and so therefore it won't be so so disruptive to sleep okay that's some good recommendations about coffee i love that and ask you a few more quick ones because i'm very conscious of your time um snoring that's my my boss at work or my friend at work i was like i'm speaking to australia's sleep expert he's like snoring how do we stop it are those little things that we put in our nose are they worth it what's your recommendation because i'm sure you get a lot of snoring clients Yes, um, I do have, I do have. Snoring management, yeah. Snoring management, okay. Snoring management, number one. Um, If you are overweight, reach a healthy weight. Uh, Snoring management, number two, avoid drinking alcohol, especially avoid drinking alcohol close to bed. Yeah. Um, Snoring management, number three, those nasal dilators. So um, your nostrils, actually, so as again, I can send a recommendation for for a brand that um, I partner with because 
they, from their research, 75% of snorers snored less with their nasal dilator. I'll leave that Huge. one in the show notes too. <laughs> and so, so I was actually on, I was on a ayahuasca retreat earlier in the year and my roommate was snoring and I was like, oh my God, I've got seven nights with this girl. Anyway, so I, because I had some of the product here and I gave it to her and I kid you not, she went from being like a truck, like a, <laughs> like, and then the next night it was like this. She was just like, I was like, oh my God, this is the most significant revelation of my life. Oh. And so it actually works. At least the one that I recommend does. So, um, yeah. Okay, we'll so, put that one in the show notes. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Two, two last ones. You kind of added an extra one. I'm going to ask you about alcohol to finish, when it, how it affects our sleep, because that's a topic very important to me at the moment. But um, one last one that I got sent in from Instagram, shift work. What sort of recommendations do you have for people who do shift work? Because I'm sure you do get this question a lot. I have a um, sister who's a nurse and there's obviously a lot of shift workers. What recommendations do you have for people who are suffering, well, finding it difficult to sleep because of shift work, having to nap when they get home after working all night? I'm sure you get this all the time, but yeah, what what advice do you have? So shift workers, I was going to mention this when we were talking about melatonin. Shift workers are probably the only group that outside of a once off, I would recommend um, for more regular take of melatonin um, simply because this helps the body adjust and that can be a great a great use for them, um, for melatonin for them. But outside of that, um, I would recommend that they use all of the sleep supports they can get. So seeing a coach is my recommendation for uh, somebody with shift work because all of the things we've talked about, for example, today, like you know, we've discussed light, exercise, supplements, diet, you as a shift worker, you have the odds stacked against you. So I would want to work with anyone who's doing shift work to get the odds stacked to for them. Mm. Because otherwise they are they are facing such an uphill battle because the body is not designed to sleep throughout the day. Yeah. So typically they have horrendous sleep quality and they're going to be suffering from a lot of mental health problems and a lot of physical issues as well if they do not have the support they need to get the sleep they need. Okay. I think a lot of people will get a lot from that. And I'm going to chat to you to finish about your kind of sleep entrepreneur journey about your book, your courses and your coaching. But just to finish this whole sleep thing, what's your ideal routine for someone who's like, you know what, I'm kind of struggling to sleep. I need to tick a few boxes. What are your few easiest ones? Obviously like light, like what would you, someone who goes to bed at 10 o'clock, give them a routine before bed like my signature bedtime routine yeah example. yeah exactly there you go I, I, I brought you into it I just forgot that you had that but <laughs> all good um so my signature bedtime routine and um for the record this is available as a pdf download on my website um for my for those who join my mailing list so please check that out if helpful yeah um, but the routine is step one, block out blue light, of course. Um, step two is to take lavender oil capsules. 
Now we haven't discussed lavender, but um, the reason I love lavender oil capsules is because they've been found in clinical trials to reduce anxiety by 45% and to in increase sleep quality by 59%, which is super powerful. Um, and lavender is something you can take ongoing and is very safe, you know, for, um, for all populations outside of those who are breastfeeding and who are pregnant. Um, step three is to disconnect from tech one hour before bed. Um, remember that's, yeah, all screens say goodnight to. Um, step four is to have a shower. Having a shower helps your body naturally produce more melatonin because when your body drops in core body temperature, when you get out of a warm shower into a cool bathroom, this is a signal for melatonin synthesis. Mm -hmm. um, step four is to, sorry, step five is to have a magnesium-based sleep supplement. This can reduce anxiety by 31%, which can also assist in less evening wake-ups and a greater ability to fall asleep. Step six is to read. Reading is has been found to reduce stress by 68% in starting in six minutes. And number seven is to use an eye mask throughout the night because that prevents that all-important light coming through. Mm, so many great. Um, and, and I think the first step that most people... Um, we'll probably get out of listening to this episode is just taking some responsibility. Like your sleep's not going to improve by not changing anything. So I think just people listening, whether it be taking all of the steps or just trying them one by one for what works for you, because it is difficult to form a new habit. But I know I've learned so many things that are very easy changes. You know what I mean? Like picking up a few different supplements, which we will leave in the show notes. I'm sure you've got a lavender oil um, capsule recommendation. Grab an eye mask. I'm sure you've probably got signature eye masks as well. <laughs> um, yeah, and I then have, like... Yes, sorry. Yeah. I have I have all the sleep kit, which is essentially just like a shop site, a shop bit on my website. And it's just, I know that I get asked these questions all the time. And so, but I also know the importance of like quality products. Mm. And so rather than... Oh, you know, just go out and buy any any glasses or any masters. It's like, no, no, no. Get what what actually works. And so I've got like my expert approved um, sleep kit. So yeah, I'll definitely share. Oh, amazing. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave all of that in the show notes. Um, I sorry, I just keep asking questions. This stuff just fascinates me. But there is one question I wanted to ask just about sleep length because I've been very aware of sleep cycles and like ninety minutes between sleep cycles and REM, which is rapid, rapid eye movement. Am I right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. And I've been very aware of trying to always base my sleep around 90 minute cycles. So I'll try and either sleep for seven and a half or nine hours are kind of my two angles. What's said to that? That's definitely, um, a, so, so, there's there's validity but there's also I think it's also questionable so um overall we do sleep in 90 minute cycles that is 100% correct so you're definitely on the money there however that you also need to appreciate that in those 90 minute cycles you have periods of being awake and this is just even though we don't know it we often wake up like most people wake up like 20 to 25 times a night wow. like yeah, right. It's just we don't actually wait, fully wake up. So we just stay in this lighter stage of sleep. So um, there's definitely 
more vil- so so like you know this is and this is why people were wearing like you know a, a sleep tracker like an aura ring or a fitbit or a samsung watch or you know any of those um wearables that you know their 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 time in bed does not correlate with time asleep yeah. and you'll be like you'll be like i didn't what i was asleep you know i it only says that I slept for, you know, like five hours, but I was in bed for like seven. What's going on there? That's because those trackers detect when you are technically awake. And so it's very normal to spend, you know, quite a bit of time awake throughout the evening. But overall it is, I do recommend when you're trying to work out what time you need to go to bed, then you go forward in ideally not 90 minute blocks to your ideal wake time and work back from that. Mm. So say for example, your ideal wake time is like six o'clock. Then you say, okay. And I know I need like, I know I need eight hours of sleep for me to be ideal. And I know I roughly spend half an hour of the night awake. Therefore I'm going to go to bed eight and a half hours early at 930. Awesome. I love that. That's, a, that's something I'm quite aware of trying to do that because a few questions asked in people saying, I keep, I wake, I wake up feeling exhausted. And I know for me, when I started to take a bit more notice of trying to base it around those 90 minute marks, I'd wake up feeling a bit more refreshed rather than waking up from REM sleep, from an alarm and feeling so groggy. And I'm sure everyone can relate to that feeling. Sometimes you wake up after a longer sleep, but feel an average because, and I'm, I'm guessing that's a pretty big reason for it yeah yeah that is exactly why you're waking up from deep REM sleep and when you wake up feeling like this you experience something called sleep inertia which is that feeling of absolute exhaustion and this is also why you don't want to nap for any longer than 30 minutes is because you fall into a deeper sleep stage at from naps though, it's more that you fall into stage three, four, non-REM sleep. Um, but basically it's the same that you go into a deep sleep stage. And then when you wake up from that long nap, say you've been sleeping like an hour or something, then you feel even more exhausted than when you went to sleep. That is again, inertia. Okay. Sorry. Last question that I'm going to ask about sleep because I just love this stuff. What does alcohol do for us when we sleep? Because I've, um, I'm 13 weeks into a year of being sober after speaking to a neuroscientist about the effects of alcohol on our brain. How much does alcohol affect our sleep? Because I know I used to wear a whoop band and any night that I'd fall asleep after drinking, my recovery was terrible. So yeah. How, how bad is alcohol for our sleep? Extremely. (laughs) (laughs) Good answer. Yeah. It suppresses REM sleep, which is that deep sleep stage that happens in the last third of the evening And this is exactly why we wake up so frequently um, after going out, particularly around, you know, three, four, 5 a.m. is because our bodies can't get into that deeper sleep stage. Um, It also contributes to what's called the rebound effect, which is when our bodies have an exacerbated spike of cortisol and awakening hormone. um, As a result of being depressed the night before. So, Alcohol is a depressant, depressant central nervous system. And instead of coming back to 
you know, equilibrium or homeostasis as after the alcohol wears off, our bodies have this like over-exaggerated spike in awakening hormone cortisol, which is exactly why when you wake up around, you know, 4 a.m. after drinking or 5 a.m. after drinking, you don't just wake up feeling rested. You wake up like in like a profuse sweat Uh or right right you're like oh my god or you know there's like a thousand things on your mind or like you're super anxious Mm. this is your trying to regain its balance after being depressed from alcohol and as a result you wake up and that can often be really like you know really distressing and really difficult to get back to sleep because Mm. you're so you're in this like heightened state of stress that's fascinating. What about CBD and smoking weed for sleep? Sorry, I keep going, but I just got so many questions. Oh, good, oh, good. Um, so weed, not so good because that has a dependency effect and long-term has been found to suppress slow-wave sleep, although it does facilitate you being able to fall asleep, it then impairs your deeper sleep stages And so therefore, long-term and even short-term, you feel more tired the next day compared to if you didn't have it at all. Because deep sleep is what helps us feel mentally and physically rejuvenated. So weed, not good. CBD, very good. CBD is a different um, makeup than than, uh, traditional weed. It doesn't come with the um, dependency which is one advantage and it also doesn't have the links to um, impairing slow wave sleep as um as we like the THC component in marijuana yeah or cannabis interesting okay I feel like I've got most of my questions out I'm gonna have to get you on another time because there's so many more things the more questions I had answered the more questions I had but this has been um, a fascinating chat I'm so grateful for your time Um, I guess the last question I want to ask is just what you've got going on how people can get in contact Um, I'll leave in the show note your book which yeah do, do you want to tell people I guess just what's in your book and then what your courses entail and your coaching element this is your I guess time to promote what you do because I'm sure you can have a lot of well hopefully you have a lot of questions asked from my followers and listeners um yeah because I know all of my listeners are very curious to improve their life and working with you I think definitely will so yeah do you want to tell us about your book your course and your coaching I'm honored thank you I'm I'm all about human optimization. So whether that's, you know, you actually have a sleeping problem or you're just trying to be the best person, the best version of you, Mm. sleep integral to that. And, you know, we all sleep. So we all have an opportunity to make the most of our sleep, to biohack our way to better performance, better mental health, better physical health um so that's why I think sleep's exciting um I love it it's, my, it's one of my favorite things to do <laughs> um, so my offering so I do private coaching um and all those details are on my website that I've got offerings of you know just like a once-off sleep strategy session or I do like a coaching program which is over the course of three months um so that's really exciting like obviously if you want like a strategy session you know it's just more like you want 
to, re to receive like all these tips in one. But if you feel like you develop better results with accountability, then the coaching program is great. Um, outside of that, I have an online course because I know that I just wanted to put all of my information into like a, into this product, which could just be bought at any time by anyone, anywhere in the world. And so you can literally just go to my website and it's, um, it's called sleep school. And it just has all of my, you know, my fundamental tips and tricks in a, in a program that you can work through it yourself at your own pace. Epic. Um, yeah, which is really cool. Then I've got my book, which is called Bear, Lion, Wolf. That's all around sleep chronotypes. Um, that is, has all of the chronotypes, all about the, you know, more about them. And then also gives specific sleep strategies and specific sleep routines and daytime routines and all of your routines and all the recommendations according to your chronotype um which is great and I think outside of that I'm planning some sleep retreats for next year we were chatting about that before um so that's really exciting because that's going to be like you know a, a very powerful opportunity to shift shift unhealthy sleep habits in a really short amount of time and I know that when I've gone on retreats like literally my life changes in the course of a few days and mm. I'm so excited to share that um that capacity and that container with a select group of individuals so those are my offerings but I guess the best way or best place to start is connecting with me on Instagram because I love hearing from anyone who has been you know listening and you know happy to direct them further so yeah connecting on Instagram and taking that chronotype yeah quiz. I was about yeah. to say that first step go do the quiz sign up for the email list and yeah then you'll get all the information that you need because prioritizing sleep should be something that every single person listening should do and like you said you don't have to not sleep good to be able to improve your sleep I think that was a really important take because someone like myself I find it quite easy to fall asleep I can, I mean, I'm going to be honest. I literally put Netflix or watch a TV show and fall asleep to it every night, which I'm going to stop doing now because it's not as good for me, but it's, um, we can all make improvements. You know what I mean? Like myself, I'm going to take accountability and try and start wearing blue lights at night, cut back um, a lot longer before. And I think we can all learn a bit from that, that you don't have to have a problem to improve. Mm -mm. But yeah. I think, I think the thing is that when we're, you know, when, when you look at it, it's kind of like, if you, every, people know how to eat relatively well and they typically do because there's been so much research and education around, you know, nutrition and all of this. And this all just makes sense to us. Okay, we want to feel good. Okay, so we're mm. going to eat the food that we need, you know, to feel good. Sleep is exactly the same because whether you choose to or not, you are going to sleep. So you have a choice to, all right, so if I really want to feel my best, inside and out and perform at my best then then I really need to to integrate sleep because mm. that if you don't it can be your biggest um challenge but also I think it's really important to remember those times that you have had those amazing sleeps because then you know how mm. good you feel 
and then you know how good you can feel yeah. when when you are supported with quality sleep. Yeah, um, I think so when, yeah, I love that. I think the more that we can make things that are unconscious like sleep and I don't know why I'm relating this to it but like breath work it's something that we do unconsciously all day but if we learn the right skills we can use our breath in a very positive way for our physiology same thing if we get our sleep right we can use it to make us better as humans exactly um, right which is, which is really exciting because we all have this opportunity every single day so um I can't yeah. wait to hear yeah <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm going to leave everything in the show notes. You've sent me an amazing little package, which gave me so many great things to share with um, the listeners out there. I'm sure everybody's going to be firing questions at you. Um, make sure you tag myself and Olivia on Instagram and your stories and share it with other followers because it's something we all do sleep and it's something we can, I learned so much from. Like, first of all, I'm just so grateful for this conversation and you reaching out to me and um, letting me share your story on my platform. And and to be honest, I'm really stoked to have shared before the sleep side of it, the rest of your story. Cause I think a lot of people would get a lot out of that as well. So I'm like from the bottom of my heart, I'm so grateful for this conversation and you being so open and sharing. It's been incredible. The last question I do finish every good humans podcast with is the same question for everyone. So what does being a good human mean to Olivia Arizola? Um, can I answer that in one moment? Cause I just wanted yeah. to. Yeah. Look back. Go for I just, it. I think, um, you know, you mentioned that you're grateful that I shared, you know, about my, about my mental health challenges and, you know, like that part of it first. I think before finishing off the show, I think I wanted to, I guess, um, um, you know, mention that although those times were like the most challenging in the past, it's been a continued journey and it's something that I'm still working on. It's something that I'm still mastering all of those things, you know, anxiety, depression, anorexia. And I think it's really important for people to know that because, just because things are going really well in my professional life doesn't mean that I'm a master of my mental health. And it doesn't mean that, oh, you know, yeah, everything's smooth sailing. It's like, I still need to make these daily choices that support my mental health and my physical health. And every day that's a conscious choice. And every day there are also these, you know, there's also thoughts of doubt, limitation, you know, thoughts of being not enough thoughts of I need to be different I need to be thinner I need to be you know better and all of these things it's just me choosing to tune out tune them out and mm. choosing you know make better decisions for myself Absolutely. and I think yeah I think that's really important to I guess um you know interlace in because I think a lot of people think oh you know so she had like all these mental health problems when she was in her teens and then like she, you know she got over them and then she's now doing yeah. really well sleep work it's like yeah my sleep work's going well but there's like there's still there's Olivia the sleep expert and there's still as it always has been Olivia the person the human underneath that and just because you can have great success in your professional life doesn't mean that your emotional well-being is taken care of mm. they're they're interlaced but they're they're different areas which need different amount of work, different styles of work yeah. um, so beautifully put yeah thanks for sharing that because I, I should have 
given more space for that. But I think it is important to say that because you are very open on your social media around your challenges outside of sleep, which I think everyone will go to your social media, I'm sure, after this and learn a bit more about your story because that's why I was so keen to hear more of the story because everything I've seen of you online is very much around your sleep stuff, which is incredible, but it's been really nice to get to tell your story a bit more and understand the why behind everything you do. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no, I'm, um, I'm excited to share. And I think that I feel like a lot of people, you know, have these journeys where it's not linear, you know, they, they have great struggles and they're okay for a bit and then they have great struggles again. And it can feel like they're the only ones going through it. And mm -hmm. equally, when you're in that bad headspace, you just feel like everyone else is just doing so well. Yeah. And you're the only person who is sitting there, you know, feeling super anxious or, you know, struggling to, you know, eat a, eat a, eat dinner or, you mm -hmm. know, struggling and everyone else just seems like they're doing so well, but actually like we are all facing our own challenges. For yeah. me, I don't, I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I'm not challenged by sleep, but you know, every day I'm challenged by these thoughts of, you know, um, doubting myself and, you know, doubting my value and, you know, struggling to like eat properly. And like, these are still things that I'm, I'm battling with, but it's just wow. that I know I'm winning the battle because I'm, I'm making better decisions. And yeah. although I recognize those, those ideas and those thoughts, I don't, I don't feed them. Mm. I'm just like, Okay, that, that can, yeah, exactly. That, yeah. that 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 can exist, but I'm not going to buy into it because yeah. that's lead to my greatest happiness. So I love um, that. Yeah. That's thanks, amazing. Thanks. That's amazing. Thanks for sharing that. So yeah, the last question. What has been a good last human mean to you? <laughs> it stumps people, so don't worry if it's a hard one to answer. <laughs> that's all right. It's those curveballs. Being good human means for me. Um leading with authenticity um being real being honest um being honest with myself and being open and accepting of myself and opening and accepting of others and trying to live my best life and inspiring others to live their best lives Oh, so beautifully put. I couldn't have said it better myself. I feel like we have very similar mindsets and ways to view the world, which, um, yeah, it's been a phenomenal chat. I, I, like I said, I'm so grateful. Everyone who's tuned in, I'm sure, feel exactly the same way. Um, like I said before, tag us on Instagram, share it around. It'd be great to hear from anyone who's listened and enjoyed the episode. And, yeah, from the bottom of my heart, a massive thank you, Olivia, for jumping on. Been so, so, so nice to chat with you. Thank you so much for your time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 